All right, Jamie, welcome back to the podcast. You did episode, I don't even remember, let me look it up, but you've been on the podcast before. This is your second time. Um, we spoke, I don't know, was it a year ago? Maybe more. I think probably more than a year ago. Let's yeah. see here. Yeah, well, so how you are talking to me now from where? Colorado. So you're back yeah. with your folks? Yeah, yeah. So I was I go to school in California, but because the virus stuff, um, you as you know, we got pulled out of rotations. So yes, um, I had kind of had a preference to quarantine with my family and dog and with people than like in my studio apartment in California. Yeah, no, that does sound better. Yeah. Well, so how we I actually just did a podcast on how like coronavirus has impacted PNWU. Uh, my med school. So how has it though impacted Toro University where you go? Um, I bet it's pretty similar. So like we got pulled out of rotations, of course. So um, for third and fourth year medical students, um, you're not allowed in a hospital or clinic or just to be working with patients at all. And then um, we have like the shelf exams, you know, after each rotation, you take a subject shelf exam. They're administering those from home now. So we can schedule our own study for them and take them from home on like the honor system. Um, rotations, at first they were saying like elective rotations would be filling up this time. Like we kind of use fourth year electives to be doing now like radiology online or, mm -hmm. like or whatever. Um, but it's turning into so long. They recently switched it so we can even be taking our core, like finishing up our core rotations online. So um, like the last rotation of third year I had was pediatrics. So I'm, I'm now doing online pediatrics and then I'll take the pediatrics test at home after that. Um, so yeah, it's been super disruptive for us and for all med students, I guess. Yeah, it's very, very strange. I'm on OBGYN right now and online. And I was, you know, um, it's not something I ever planned on going into, but I wanted to deliver a baby. Like, I feel like that's a rite of passage for a med student. Um, so I'm super bummed. I mean, hopefully this doesn't last too long. And maybe after my audition rotations, um, you know, maybe I can catch a baby. And because me and my wife aren't having kids anytime soon, I don't think. Yeah. No, there's all those experiences that you're supposed to have during third year. Like you're supposed to get yelled at in an OR and you're supposed to deliver a baby and you know, like you're supposed to do all the, the rite of passage things like you said. And there is just like a, I don't know, it seems like a cosmic inaccuracy to have us be doing all this stuff online. You know, like that was the first two years of med school for us. Like we did our online time and now we're supposed mm -hmm. to be getting our, our people time and our, our, clinic and working with patients and it's so weird it feels like a regression now to be to be back in front of our computers and I feel the most bad for students who don't really have an idea of what they want to go into or maybe they're more open to things like I had my heart set on psychiatry before I even set foot into medical school so it didn't really impact my decision at all but you know what I actually don't know what you're pursuing and I feel like it was surgery and then I saw you post an ER thing so like yeah. where are you at yeah, no, it was between those two. My best mentor in med school is a surgeon. He's a chief of surgery. He's just amazing and like connected with him so well. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I have to do surgery. Like this is my, these are my people, you know, but, um, and then I got introduced to ER and I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, it's so high paced. And so, I don't know, it's just like grungy. It's just like you're in there. And I, I don't know, I really like it. So ER has a specific type of, 
uh, letter of recommendation, a standardized one called the slow standardized mm -hmm. letter of evaluation that you have to, they say like you need two slows before you apply to residency in September. And a slow you can only get from doing a sub-internship at a emergency medicine uh, residency place. Like a place mm -hmm. that has an ER residency, the staff writes your uh, slow. And so if you don't have slows, like you're, you don't really have an ER application, but right now nobody's getting slows because nobody's doing sub-eyes at all, you know? So I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen with ER. It kind of seems unique in the sense like no other specialty does like the slow system so um i don't know feels like a unique stressor for that one field and i don't i don't really know what to make of it like they'll i don't know what they're gonna do i, I read the um an, a letter posted by asap like i don't know american college of emergency physicians i think that they were kind of calling on residencies to just be like more lenient towards slows and sub this year and kind of have a understanding of the the times so that's like reassuring like that we'll have a chance still but i don't know yeah well i think for you know regardless of what specialty you're trying to pursue like for me i think i'm a decent student on paper of course this podcast helps but if you look at like my board scores and my grades suck um my board <laughs> scores were decent but you know now i just i don't know since you know none of us are going to be able to do as many sub eyes as we originally intended it's kind of like our step two, which is the next board exam that we do. Just, it seems like that much more important mm -hmm. and I'm terrified. I'm getting my butt kicked on UWorld right now and it's just yeah. not fun. Yeah, I know. And I was kind of trying to analyze that too. Like everyone, like this kind of sucks for everyone, but I was thinking like it has to be good for some people. And I think the people who it's good for, like is the students who are excellent on paper, but also poor in person like the like mm -hmm. they the nerds the, <laughs> yeah they're like advantage right now like if you are i think like me and you are both probably really good in person like personable and we can work with people and we can read situations mm -hmm. or whatever so it's like it would be an advantage for us to do sub eyes right now um but if you're good in pa paper and good on that it's like kind of equal ground but then if you're like if you're weird with people or you're rude or you're mean or whatever and then you get to like forego <laughs> the clinical experiences like those are the people are advantaged by this so yeah <laughs> yeah That's it's i want to be out there it's very very strange and you know since we're on a mental health podcast here the being in coronavirus i i talked about this on kind of the previous episode but it's like i feel like i have the symptoms of depression right now even though i'm not actually in a depressed episode but it's like i'm i'm having to isolate myself be alone um i'm bored you know, when, when I start to kind of lose it mentally, it, it looks exactly like that. I kind of like get in my own head, I'm by myself and I just isolate. And I'm normally such like a friendly, um, I like being around people. That's just kind of the person I am. Mm -hmm. So it's, I feel like I'm almost battling a depressed state right now, even though it doesn't feel like a normal depressed state. Yes, so how like is a depressed state like being put onto you? Mm -hmm, imposed. Like... Yeah. Oh. Hmm. So how is your mental state been? Um, yeah, honestly, that's like such a good question. Um, it's been poor, probably worse now than it was during step one studying, which I thought that point was like, kind of like a low point for me. It was just like, so stressful. And there was only one goal ahead. And, you know, it just was so hard. But this is like a new level of weird 
emotions and thoughts and feelings to work through and they all seem like they kind of conflict with each other um i wrote about that in a in a post a couple days ago of just like the guilt that i feel right now of like you know like we know residents and physicians who are like working right now and like fighting for ppe and like being endangered and have like having their like they're staying in their garage because they don't want to like infect their family and then like like we're just not and there's like a feeling of like guilt like i i, I feel guilty like sitting at home safe well i feel like my like community almost is is getting beat down on the front lines and then there's also a guilt for like having negative feelings at all like knowing how safe we are like knowing that we don't have it the hardest right now like i i feel guilty that i even am having a hard time with this so i'm like doubting my own feelings in the first place you know mm -hmm. like i feel guilty but then i feel bad that i feel guilty so that isn't good and then i think med students in general like we always just kind of have like i don't know it's like so rigid and so structured med school and we just don't have any of that right now and it's just like this massive uncertainty that causes all this anxiety um so i would say like on baseline my level of anxiety is zero like i don't have anxiety and right now it's it's positive it's like it's not zero i feel anxious and i and i don't like it and then I'm like trying to combat it with stuff that I don't normally do. And it's not, I don't feel good. I do not feel comfortable in my own mind nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel bad that that's even the case. It's like, wow, like I have it so good compared to like so many people who are suffering right now. Yeah. Well, and then one feeling I've noticed, it seems like from medical students is we all, you know, we went into this graduate school because we want to help people. And so we want to be out on that front lines and, you know, we can tell ourselves that when we're a medical student in the rotation, like we're really contributing to the team. And that's definitely true in some capacity. But it's like, you know, my wife works in the hospital as a phlebotomist. And I actually am totally fine with not being in the hospital because her hospital is not following the proper way that you're supposed to handle personal protective equipment. They're, you know, reusing N95s, uh, reusing some surgical masks. It's just not standard. And that's, I think, pretty universal at all, or, uh, all hospitals right now. And so I'm perfectly fine with being home because I, I prefer that my wife and her colleagues all be safe. And it, but you're right. I mean, I do, sometimes I try to articulate to my wife, like, I'm not doing well because I'm so bored right now, but then she's out there, you know, actually risking her health every single day. And so it's, it's a very strange place to be. It is. Med students are in a weird position right now. And it's a, yeah, especially clinical med students. First and second years, it's kind of like, you're kind of all online anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as they pretend like the lectures help. Um, but what we're doing right now where it's, there's also this feeling of like uselessness like like why why wouldn't they be able to find some use for us you know like i don't know i guess i feel like that too like i feel like i could help if i was asked to help or if i was given an opportunity i'm not i wouldn't hurt their cause you know i could help take some load off of somebody but they just mm -hmm. have us all at home which is this kind of feeling of just like i've i don't know i don't know how to describe it i feel useless yeah yeah but I think yeah. it's maybe a good point that you made, like, um, like taking our time at home as like a, uh, like more PPE, more like safety for the people who are there and kind of 
see it as like a sacrifice, but um, there really, I don't know any other circumstances ever where like the best thing you could be doing, like the best way that you could contribute is to sit at home and do nothing. You know, this is, these are mm-hmm. like so unique circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've really just, I've been meditating a lot more than I normally do. Um, and I've just been trying to like, you know, I, I've actually found doing more podcasts during this, these times have helped out a lot. Uh, you know, FaceTiming with uh, my family and friends have been great. And then actually playing Call of Duty because I can talk to all of my friends. <laughs> oh, nice. And it feels like we're all together, even though, you know, some of these people are on the East Coast. It just actually feels like I'm still hanging out with people, um, even though I'm just alone while like my dog stares at me and my cats, you know. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's great. That's great. Our, my um, old teammates and I have been doing a Zoom session every night, every Friday night too, which is mm-hmm. like, so great. Like there is something nice about everyone being available at the same time now, mm-hmm. you know, which like doesn't happen. I know. I was thinking about uh, writing something like collecting the stories of like the silver linings like that kind of because I do think they exist and it might be nice to bring them to the forefront a little bit in like the tsunami of negative stories nowadays. It might yeah. be nice to be like, here's some things that happen. I reconnected with these people or whatever. You know? Yeah. And I, I would love to see you do something like that. You know, I, I honestly missed your page for a while. I think you are one of the profiles online that I think is one of the better ones. And what I mean by this is, <laughs> is I think that there's a lot of medical students, doctors, nurses, pre-meds, whatever, who like, I don't understand their intent of why they have a certain Instagram page and post every day, like hashtag figs life. And like, it seems like they're going after like a sponsorship or trying to get paid. And that's all fine and dandy, but it's like, add something to the equation, like at least contribute something. And, you know, whether that's through writing or through whatever, just try to like benefit other people rather than just posting a picture of yourself. Like it drives me crazy, but your, yeah, your page I think represents because you do the writings on the side, something that I think a lot of people should try to emulate. Thank you so much for saying that. Actually, I was on the phone with, um, Rami, do you know Dr. Rami Dio from Instagram? He has yeah, that Instagram. fool. I've tried to get him on my podcast millions oh, of times. <laughs> Piece of t- oh, twist his arm. Oh, be like, yo, Logan's cool. He did post a hilarious video though, Psychiatry by Hitler. Um, did you see it? No. Okay, I'll. I want to see. It. It's like these psychiatry residents who are now getting called to go do like real medicine and they're freaking out and the peop- it's a parody and it's like hitler and his generals it sounds fucked up but you have to watch it it's okay, awesome yeah get that piece of crap on my podcast okay well so i w- he and i talked on the phone last night and what you just said to me is what i said to him so he has i don't know fifteen thousand followers or something and when his hospital needed no it was like for like their community clinic that was associated with their hospital and he set up a gofundme through his social media and raised like a lot of money for it i don't know what he said two or three thousand dollars for whatever and that's exactly what i told him it's like to be popular on social media for the end goal of being popular on social media is like so shallow and useless and like i don't know 
I don't know kind of what that would feel like to want that, but to, to be popular in social media, to like use it as a means to an end and to like do good for other people or to put something meaningful into the world. Like I, I think it's, it's sustainable and it feels way more fulfilling than just like exactly what you said. Like, yeah, it drives me crazy. And my wife always makes fun of me, but I get so frustrated because I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. And I feel like I should, I feel guilty because I think I do produce quality content with this podcast. I hope I do, but I don't feel, I don't like posting as much as maybe I should. That would help grow this podcast. Um, But that being said, you know, so you took a long break away from like social media and your blogging and whatever, and finally came back. So, so why did you do that? And what was that like? Yeah, good question. Um, I went through a breakup at the end of November. And okay. I, I realized how much I was using social media as like an emotional crutch sort of, you know, like, okay, like I'm sad. I'm not getting like the love and attention and then like turn to Instagram or, or Twitter and like kind of like have these, those like kind of digital connections of just like talking to people all the time, just for like the busy work of it, you know, just like, okay, I'm talking to people. I'm not lonely. I'm talking to people. Um, and kind of just having like a, a moment where it's just like, I'm, that's not like, that's not a healthy coping mechanism, you know, like if I'm, I'm not going to get over anything like that. So I just like, it was honestly, I was at clinic one day having this thought, I was just like, I feel busy, but I feel sad. Like, I don't know. And so I just deactivated everything immediately. I didn't give it no warnings, no, no nothing, just like gone. Um, and then even, so then I was like going through, cause like, it's so different. Like if you go through a breakup and then you get home for the day and you don't have the person that you were talking to and you don't have social media either, you're just kind of like there with yourself, you know? And like, I, I am so glad I went through that. I needed to go through that. Um, and then even when I started to feel better and kind of connected with my old friends more, my classmates and stuff like that, um, I just didn't reactivate it. It was like, this is good for me. I don't need it. And then I was mm-hmm. like, busy on rotations and studying for shelf exams. And I, I picked up like an editing job on the side and just sort of like filled my time with stuff that was much more fulfilling to me. Um, but then now during the pandemic and I realized like how much I want to be connecting with this medical community specifically that I've helped or that I've become part of on Instagram I reactivated just because I do have the time now I feel like I can do it in a healthy way that doesn't feel like coping and I actually care about what's going on in like the lives of medical people right now so I Mm -hmm. want to be reconnected yeah I did I just went dark (laughs) well I think that's good and and you know I feel like I should be doing that same thing because I think all of us can relate to like that endlessly scroll feeling and you know I I feel like my Instagram feed is of course medical stuff but it seems like it's like golf cars and sports and it's just like I can get into this like cycle of just like scrolling 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 and it's like mindless and it's like I don't even know what I'm doing and I've had to put those um what are they called like timer things on there and so it says yeah, it's good if you actually stick to the timer, but I'm like, eh, fuck it. I'll just put in my passcode, just five more minutes. And so it's bad. Like I, I need to actually stick to those timers and, and take it serious or actually just focus on using it for growing my podcast and trying to reach new guests and whatever. But it's, you know, right now it just feels like I don't, I think it's strange or it's at least challenging to try to like 
limit your social media exposure right now because that's like all we have. That's the only way we can socialize with people right now. Right, right, right. It is, it does feel like such a tool right now. Um, yeah. And if you are using it to like expand your own kind of in a business type of way, rather than just like I'm bored and scrolling type of way, like I think it can be such an asset, such an asset to share something that's worth sharing versus, mm -hmm. you know, versus, you know, the type. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as, as much as I shit on some of those uh, health accounts that I think, whatever, yeah. but, you know, I think a lot of them right now are also posting things in stories that need to be told about what the conditions are like inside of our hospitals. It's, right. you know, we live in the wealthiest country in the world, and yet we're like reusing masks and not even using proper medical equipment. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Now through February 16th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, Mr. I can't sleep at night, so I keep dozing off during the day. Especially you, Snoozy. You'll rest easier and feel fit-tacular. Wait, how did you get in here? Join in club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Hurry, deal ends February 16th. See club for details. And like people are using ski goggles sometimes in the hospital. Like it just seems like a joke. It's crazy. I was on a, I talked to a resident that that's in New York right now, just like about her experiences this morning. Um, some of the stuff, oh, the thing that made me almost tear up that she was telling me was that, so a resident died there. And the response from the administrators were, was, silencing everyone else because of what a liability that was that the person died and it's just like god like what are we doing to these people like it is a disaster it's like not protect not protecting them and then when they die no empathy but just that the fact that they did don't say because if people know that's a liability for our image just like oh my god i'm like want to bang my head against the wall it's like so freaking stupid and I think those are the types of stories that do need to be told right now. You know, mm -hmm. like, that, like if those can be shared, that's like, you just need like a, a sea of stories like that to create yeah. this narrative. But yeah, so right now I do, I agree. I think social media is like kind of the savior right now because I, like, I don't know, the uh, government's not handling stuff well. Most hospitals are not handling stuff well, but like you give one physician or resident inside one of those hospitals a voice through social media and like that that can go public like that's mm -hmm. so powerful so mm -hmm. powerful and it's weird to think that you know in in just over a year we'll be in those shoes mm -hmm. and you know because we've been sort of sidelined the last few weeks and it looks like it's going to be the next i don't know couple months or whatever how long it's going to be i'm worried that my skill set may be inadequate because i haven't had enough proper training or traditional training. Um, and so that's really what kind of worries me for the future. Yeah, good point. Which like it wouldn't really be like too bad if like 
when we started intern year, like we're not really expected to be great, but like if you start in like a low stakes environment where you have an attending who can kind of hold your hand and walk you through stuff. But if we are starting, like if this happens for another cycle or if it just keeps going, like if we're starting in the context of a pandemic where everything is such high stakes and mistakes could mean like life or death, like that's a problem. And that's what makes me so worried about the, the uh, students who are graduating early now and starting to practice in this context, it's like your your room for error is your like margin of error can be so small, but that's not how any of us should be starting training. Like we should just have freedom to be making all these types of mistakes so that we can learn, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. scared, I, I am too. And especially, yeah, like what you said, like rotations shouldn't be that important, but like they really are like four weeks here and four weeks there, like you get massive experiences that you'd never have doing a module on the computer yeah no certainly certainly well so kind of changing changing subjects and something i know you're really passionate about is like fitness and, and kind of diet and so you know i feel I, i'm overweight and i feel like if i can't lose weight during a self-quarantine time like i've lost all hope and respect <laughs> for myself um no everybody's gaining weight right now because like i guess but i I guess, you know, but it's like, I live in uh, Yakima, Washington, and it's 75 out and gorgeous right now. Um, and I actually, I truly always enjoy working out, you know, playing sports growing up. I've just kind of always had that part of my life. But, you know, my mother was a tremendous cook. I really enjoy cooking and I've always shopped in the Husky section. So um, it's just always been a challenge for me. So, so, you know, in the midst of these times right now where we can't go to the gym how have you kind of managed your exercise routine? Yeah. Um, exercise. So I'm lucky because like I, I run. That's sort of what I do, whether or not the gyms are closed. So it hasn't changed a whole lot for me, honest. Like um, I go to the gym because it's kind of like I think I should and like can lift and whatever, but I would prefer to be running. So right now I'm, I'm sort of in my element. So exercise to me isn't too much of a problem. Um, the diet, I think, and, and this is something I truly believe that like for weight loss, um, it's like 95% diet and like 5% exercise. Like people mm -hmm. talk about like, uh, like if it's um, like a diet would be like the almighty king of weight loss and exercise is like a squire. Like it kind of helps at the end, but it is not the, the thing to be focusing on, not the high yield thing to be focusing on for health right now. So even if people can't exercise, I think there's... Uh, so much they could do health-wise with regards to like what they're eating and what they're not eating and stuff. So that's probably the more high yield thing to be focusing on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's been a challenge for me. And now that I have all this time to kind of cook, I, I just have been making way too much food and enjoying myself and getting after it. And so, okay. So one other thing then, have you ever had any preceptors or teachers or whatever tell you that us medical students who have an online presence shouldn't be posting about anything political? Luckily, no, I have not had that. Have you? Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, just, just don't bring up politics. Um, don't post about politics because you don't want a program director who is likely to research you before they they choose to accept you into their program 
and maybe they have a certain political view that doesn't align with yours and it's just not a good idea. Um, and I always don't respond very well to people telling me to keep my mouth shut. Um, but I guess, what do you think about that? Do you think it's a liability or? I don't know. I, th I mean, I think if we go big picture here, I'm in general disgusted at like the kind of like fear based model by which medicine is run, where it's just like a perfect ladder of a hierarchy. And if you're anywhere on like the bottom rungs, you cannot say anything or do anything that would upset the higher rungs. And it's like, it's just, it's so, it is so fear-based. And so like what I would have, like in an ideal system, it's like everyone would be begging you to provide and expose your authenticity, you know, whether that's politics or nutrition or diet or whatever, but like you, you do say the things that you care about. And then the people who also think those things are the ones who pick you up and accept you into their program. But we, we run on this model of like fear of like, you can't, you got to walk on eggshells and you got to say the right thing. And like everything is under this guy's umbrella of professionalism, which just takes on whatever term to mean, just like get in line right now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah. So, I mean, in basketball, um, you, if you have a ref that's calling everything, like you not fouling, but they're calling fouls, your coaches will tell you to just play to the refs. Like, like, yeah, you can, I understand that that's not a foul, but the ref is calling it. So you got to play to what the refs are calling. You can't play to what you think is right. Right. So I think there's a, a sense, like a strategic sense of that in medicine where like you kind of have to play to the refs and like, if it sucks, it's like, you have to censor yourself in a way that would uh, make you not be how you want to be talking or speaking, but not offending the referees, which I guess would be program directors. I think that's one argument for it. And the other argument for it would be like the, the counterculture has to start somewhere, you know, it's like, you'd have to start with some people being outspoken and some people saying what's on their mind and just hope that program directors will accept you and like whatever. And I, I, I don't know where that balance is. I've definitely become like less uh, radical as my med school career has gone on. And like, I don't love that about myself. I like, I'm not proud of that. You know, I kind of like, I used to be very extremely opinionated about things in medicine and I've like toned it down. And so I don't know if that's like a fear of mine or if it's like strategic. And then like once I'm kind of in a position where like can't be, hurt is bad if I can like kind of refine my voice but I don't know I do not like what medicine does to us I don't like well I think that sounds terrible and I think you should bring back the strongly opinionated and loud <laughs> Jamie um and you know I I know that I'm kind of that same way I'm very opinionated and I'm certainly loud and I I like being outspoken and maybe that will close some doors for me in the future but I try to kind of look at it like, well, you know, that clearly then wouldn't be a good match for me in residency because I don't want to be in a residency where I can't be myself. And, you know, I, I kind of now try to look at things and, uh, you know, I think emergency medicine is more competitive than psychiatry to get into, of course, but, you know, I try to almost, I, I feel like I am a good candidate and I'm like, I feel like a residency would be lucky to have me and I feel a residency would be lucky to have you. And I think one thing that we can all agree on about the coronavirus situation is doctors should have had more of an influence on the political yes. landscape. Yes.
and that's it. That's what it's exposing. It's exposing Mm -hmm. this massive lack, like a vacuum of physician leadership, like a perfect vacuum. Like they weren't making the decisions and then everything went to hell. And then like their voices are being silenced and then everything is going to hell. Like the fact that physicians are not speaking up or like not being allowed to speak up and then weren't in the leadership positions to begin with. That is the problem. I mean, I think if you could put your finger on this is the problem of the coronavirus response, that would be the one thing. And so I agree, like there's definitely a role for leaders in medicine. And I know and it starts here. And I totally, I totally, totally agree with you. And to tell another story about Rami, I honestly do not talk about him this much. I don't know why this is coming up, but probably- Somebody's got a celebrity crush. (laughs) And so yesterday he was telling me, so he transferred programs and he said the (laughs) other program he was at, like um, he felt very silenced and like how he would come across in his podcast and they would kind of keep an eye on him. And, you know, like he was walking on eggshells and he said the program he's at now, UMass, um, love his podcast and support him and help him with it and will be interviewed from it, from him for it. And like, so I think there is a place in medicine for everybody and including people like us who like have opinions and want to change stuff and care about how things are run. And like, like, I do think that there's a place for us. It's just finding that match and then like not getting dissuaded at all the people who are, who are like, Oh no, like they're, they're going to ruffle too many feathers or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I've sort of learned from my colleagues is, you know, I feel like in medicine, we kind of operate in this little bubble and we're so busy and we're so focused that sometimes we tune out the outside world. And like, I remember in the, in the midst of the impeachment hearings and the primaries, you know, I would sometimes ask my classmates their opinion on things and they would have no idea what's going on in the world. And, you know, I don't fault them. We have, we have so many things on our plate to do, but it just, I think, I think people look up to physicians and I think we can have an influence and, you know, we clearly, clearly need to, you know, cause this is, we can't allow something like this to happen again. And so I, I personally am extremely nervous about this fall, you know, in 2016, I kind of had the same attitude. I didn't want to piss off any admissions committees. And so I wasn't posting a ton about politics, even though I was following it very closely. And I think most people were obviously surprised on the election results. And I don't want that to happen again in this fall. And I think we're kind of in a similar situation. You know, I was a Bernie person. Um, I believe in universal health care, but that's just not what's going to be happening this fall. And I am very, very worried because I feel like Joe Biden doesn't have a lot of enthusiasm around him the same way that Hillary Clinton didn't. And I actually think Hillary Clinton had more enthusiasm around her just because of maybe she was a woman or she just has been so well known. You know, Joe just, I don't think anybody gets, at least not enough people get super stoked about Joe Biden. And so that being said though, I try to, I don't think that this is the way politics should be run, but the way it is, is we're of course like tribal teams and like, I want to do everything I can to help out the Democratic team because I want Donald Trump out of the White House yeah, with every bone I mean, of my body. It's like a Democratic platform to want Donald Trump out of the White House. You know, he is a monster. I mean, I think you could be a very reasonable Republican and want Donald Trump out of the White House. I think that's almost like an ethics platform. Like, we don't want people who are criminals and liars and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost... 
I almost consider myself a Republican in some regards. You know, I, I got an undergraduate degree in economics. I kind of believe in the, the power of the free market in some capacities. But, you know, there's certain like universal health care, gay marriage, marijuana legalization, like certain issues, global warming. Like I, I like, come on, like, what are we talking about here? And it, it forces my hand every single year. I think um, I was bummed Bernie dropped out because like so right now I think we have the capitalist of all capitalists in the White House you know like the one who above anything will prioritize corporations and the bottom line and whatever stocks um, and I think I don't I, like I really I think Bernie's great I think he truly truly believes what he what he says so like there's some authenticity there but like I can't I wanted to see his run in the White House because it's just like the polar opposite of what's there right now. It's like, okay, so we gave the, the ultimate capitalist ideology a chance. What happens if you give the ultimate socio sociologist, what am I trying to say? Socialist. Uh, last hour. Socialist, thank you. Socialist ideology a chance. Like, I don't know if I believe, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I think some, I agree with you. I think there's advantages to the free market. And so uh, I don't think that I'm a socialist, but I would like to see what the polar opposite can do with that like I would like after this these four years I would like to see what happens when you prioritize uh universal anything or workers above uh corporations like it would just be like a nice counter experiment to have run you know I know and then we get Biden who's just like right in the middle and like not that exciting and so like I'm also I was like bummed what two days ago or whatever when Bernie jumped out dropped out mm -hmm. like that's a yeah, I am less enthused. Still going to vote, but like. Yeah. Well, but but then, you know, I, I think it's our responsibility as I wait. How old are you? 26. OK, so you're a baby. Well, you, thought, you thought I couldn't vote? You think I was 17? No, no. I just I didn't know how old you were. I'm turning 31 in two weeks and I'm terrified. Um, but I, I you know, so our age group, our demographic, you know, obviously is not super stoked about Biden, but we, it's, I think it's our responsibility. Well, what, what I was just trying to say is I just feel like, you know, it's our responsibility as, you know, younger people in our 20s and 30s that we have to convince our colleagues to still vote for, you know, Joe Biden as, as even though he's old, you know, he's older than my parents by like 15 years or something, you know, it's, it's just so strange to think about. Um, but that being said, it's just like, I, I don't think that there's going to be a third party candidate that's going to emerge that realistically has any chance of beating Joe Biden or beating Donald Trump, excuse me. So, you know, I, that's going to be my goal over kind of the next, how long? Five months, six months, seven months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it, it's obviously going to be very challenging. Um, but, you know, that's, that's something I want to do to augment kind of my experience, you know, with away rotations, if hopefully we get to do them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, and I mean, I think we should be able to, especially like if you can like uh, package it in like a, I don't know, public health type of sense. Like I am a medical student. I care about public health. Look at how the current administration handled the public health disaster and like. Because we're in like, I don't know of medicine that like we're no opinions anymore you know that doesn't make any sense to me can you hear me uh it was kind of getting weird for a second why don't you turn off your video and let's we'll wrap up in like five minutes here okay sounds good 
All right. So, so, all right, Jamie, any last kind of words of advice for, I guess, you know, I think the people who are most likely to listen to our conversation today are medical students or maybe pre-meds or, or residents, you know, what do you want to say to them? Um, let me think. Well, I think it would be like the same thing that I need to hear almost is like not to be expecting normalcy anymore, I guess. Like, I think there's so much about me that in my thoughts that like, I just, I want everything to get back to normal so I can just finish up the sub eyes and get my slows and have the same application cycle that we were going to have that they have every year over and over, you know, and like, just like kind of coming to an acceptance that like, it's just really not going to be like that this year. Yeah. Yeah. Things are just going to be different and, and that's okay. It's not like they're going to be different. And so everything is going to go to hell and it won't work out the way that you thought it would. It's like, we're adaptable. And like, it's not this year, unlike any other year is very different. And like, we just, it will be fine. I think that's like the message that I've been there mantraing to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I want to kind of play off that same idea. Like I've had a few people call me and they're like, you know, I, I just feel down right now. I feel anxious. And, you know, do you have any advice for me? And like, I always kind of say like, if you feel totally normal in the midst of a pandemic, like you're a fucking psychopath, you know, it's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, we're, we're all supposed to feel a little weird and off and down. And it's like, you know, just cut yourself some slack and just accept that, you know, this is going to be kind of a depressed time in, in all of our lives. And, you know, the, what's that like Batman quote or whatever, you know, there can't be lightness without dark. And we sometimes have to go through these like bad periods. And, you know, I, I just kind of get stoked on the idea of, you know, once this time finally does pass, like, I feel everyone's going to be so excited to to go to a concert, go out to a bar or whatever that I, I think it's just going to be a much more happy, friendly, welcoming crowd. Yeah, at least like an appreciation of what we get now knowing like what it's like to not have any of that available. Yeah. Well, Jamie, this has been a super fun conversation. Uh, you need to be kind of a regular guests back on this show. Um, I'm glad you're back on social media. If uh, you listeners don't follow Jamie already, it's at Speak Out Medicine. Um, she does some really badass blogs and just cool, interesting stuff. So I'm really glad to see that you're back uh, posting again. Well, on here just whenever and we can just do this whenever. Hell yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. <laughs> Thanks. You too. All right. Later. The I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Millions of Americans are getting back to work. CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts so your perfect job lands right in your inbox. 
Go to careerbuilder.com today or get left with whatever jobs are left. Find your next job fast at careerbuilder.com.